1: Hello everyone and welcome to another weekly episode of the Marseille View. My name is Luca and in this episode we are going to be discussing the Nîmes against Marseille game last Friday. Um, Marseille back on winning form after losing uh, against Nîmes Nantes at home, sorry. Marseille travelled away to Nîmes, not too, not too far but kind of a der- derby. Um, uh, down south uh, with a lot of supporters from Nîmes also supporting Marseille and so there's usually a lot of sparks between two clubs But regardless Marseille backed their 16th win win of the season and are continuing their, their Impressive run this season with over two points a game uh, accumulated uh, which is actually uh, the second best um, Track record and progress uh, since the start of the millennium Obviously, the first being the season that Marseille won the title in 2009. Um, so uh, Marseille went to Nîmes uh, and won 3-2. Quite, quite a drama, got a drama, dramatic game with Nîmes scoring as early as the fifth minute. And as all the Marseille, all the Marseille fans knew from last year, very traumatized from last year's game when Marseille lost 3-1 against Nîmes away. Nîmes scored very early in this game, and then it was just panic in Marseille's side, until, until very quickly afterwards, Dario Benedetto, with a brilliant, brilliant link play with, with Boubacar Kamara and Punasar equalised, and then from then on, it was just the Dario Benedetto show, who actually bagged his first hat-trick for the club. So, without further ado, we're going to dive into this game, debrief this, um stick to, to some of the play analysis, we're probably gonna be talking more in depth about Mandanda, about Payet, Kamara, and obviously the main man, Benedetto. And as an add-on, we're also gonna speak about some of the youth team strategy because we have had some uh, comments from the, the director of the youth team, and then we're gonna be discussing some of the the young blood that, might, uh, that you might see in a professional squad next year. So, to help me do all of this today, uh, I have two speakers that you will all recognize with the voice the first person is Stefan who's back after two weeks of absence how are you Stefan hi I I'm, I'm really good yeah how are you yeah you're not too bad yeah are you are you having a
2: are you having a bit more relief after after last weekend um I don't know to be honest no not really I think that I well it's good to get three points but I, I think that we look weaker, you know, I feel like even though this is better than the non game, I, I feel like we're looking more and more vulnerable and maybe more and more exposed, so... I will yeah, warn you, we've sure, sure we'll to be a bit more
1: positive on this podcast.
2: <laughs> well, <laughs> you know, know, it's, it's a victory, well. isn't it? So I guess we've got that. I mean, I was listening to you guys last week um, after the non game and I did think, fucking hell, this this is miserable. <laughs> <laughs> right. Cool, and uh, the second
1: speaker is, and you've been warned, we've been warned second speaker, we want some positivity on the podcast, how are you doing Ben? Yeah, this is really good,
0: that was the copy of the AVB, yeah, that he does sometimes <laughs> yeah. when he enters the, the training room after a, after a win, um, good, thank you, um, hope everyone's good, um, I agree with you Steph, that we, we do look more vulnerable, but... If looking more vulnerable means that our striker gets a hat-trick, I'll take that. This
1: is true. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Right, well, let's go straight into the Neem om game. Um, Before we talk about the actual performances and what we thought about the game, which is I usually ask you guys what your general impressions are, I'd actually like to ask you what were your thoughts and your expectations before and going into the game because, like I said at the start, Nîmes traumatised us last season, uh, where we, we, second game of the season, we thought it was going to be an easy game against a promoted side, and we got absolutely wiped off of the field. And it was pretty much a, a, a preface of of what was going to happen for the rest of the season. So, a lot of pessimism, a lot of negative uh, tweets and thoughts coming from the OM fans leading up to this game, especially when we just long, lost at home against Nantes. Stefan, i I'll start with you because you, you weren't here last week. Going into this game what were you expecting from from ABB's men?
2: I was expecting them to win because Neymar's shit. They're third from bottom and have been crap all season. um, (laughs) They have won four games out of the last five, though. Yeah, but they're still shit. (laughs) I mean, come on. Um, So, yeah, I was still expecting Marseille to win. Um, I wasn't expecting Nîmes to beat them, but... But I mean, maybe I'm being a bit disrespectful. I know Neem, um especially at home, you know they've got quite a good kind of little, little fan base. It can be quite a fiery atmosphere and stuff. But no, nah, I still I still thought we would win. Um, and I'm I'm a bit of a Nîmes fan. I do like Nîmes, You know they're probably my second team in the league. But um, I don't really see them as a serious threat. You know I, f- I felt like the na- the Nantes game I was a bit more worried about actually because you know as you mentioned. Um, in the podcast last week, um, Ben, uh Kish and Goku's teams always seem to give us problems over the years, so I had a sort of funny feeling we might struggle in that game, but no, today, the, um, this weekend I was kind of confident, but I thought we might, I thought it might be a scrappy game, I thought we might struggle, but I thought we'd probably get a win. Alright, cool, well that, that's actually
1: going against the grain of what, what I have saw from the majority of Owen fans, but... I mean, at least I'm glad that you actually were, were correct on that prediction. What about you, Ben? What, what, what were you expecting coming into this game?
0: Shit, this, this will probably be my only pessimistic comment of the evening. Um, I was there last year. So I I, um, I went there on the holidays to south of France, convinced the missus to go there for a day trip. You can probably feel me holding up the two fingers, like, you know, day trip with the, um, <laughs> the sort of exaggerating remark. So we went there she realises there's loads of OM fans. And she's like, for fuck's sake, you're going to the game, aren't you? I was like, yeah, of course I am. Um, and then the drive home was a lot less fun because she was just like, Ben, don't fall asleep. Remember, you lost. I was like, oh, thanks, honey. For fuck's sake. <laughs> um, so I, I wasn't pessimistic, but I was worried that because despite our waveform, which has been quite incredible against our direct rivals so far, this this had the, the, the sense of a you know, trick game, especially after we went one 0 down fairly early, but we 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 could probably have easily lost that game if, if well, we know we will discuss the detail of the game, but after half time, even though we were two on 0 we considered a lot of chances. They could have equalised. And last year they probably would have equalised just knowing our luck. But we held on and we performed all right. It wasn't flamboyant. It was flamboyant at times, but it wasn't amazing. But Yeah, I I was satisfied that we won, but I was, I'm still disappointed we conceded two goals.
1: Right. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Absolutely. I I was, I'm probably more, I was probably more on the side of Ben going into this game. I I was just, I was seeing Meme as quite a threat, even if they hadn't won the last four out of five games. You know, it's just a derby. We know how they play. We know they, they're basically a team that is the classic Lingen teams that will just place everything on physicality and then when they're motivated to play play against a team like marseille because a lot of the players are from there and then they obviously want to shine against the club that they like i was a bit scared and and i'm not going to lie it was, it was a nice surprise but i mean 5 5 minutes up and then I, I'm conceding against neem that way particularly um i was just i
2: was just shitting myself i'm not going to lie yeah um, yeah, but we bounced back pretty quickly, didn't we? N- yeah, we, and that's probably we clearly the main got point. Character this season to do that. So yeah, you know, I, what's one thing this season is like? Even when we have that kind of game, right? That moment that early goal, which I could you could easily have seen in the last season, those kind of games going like um, who was it we played the first game of the season? Was it Ra- Rance, we Rance or, Yeah, Stand yeah. Um, oh, where oh, we just yeah. like have to grind through ninety minutes of like. Being shit against someone we should be beating but this year for the most part well most of this season like we have got a lot of character like we do seem to be able to bounce back mm-hmm. in games and, and sort of pull, pull ourselves out of a mess his, his it? M- yeah, Mr. Cooper.
0: Statistician hey we, we, we are second only to Liverpool in Europe of points one when coming from behind so oh, like, really? let that oh. let that sink in
1: yeah I mean yeah I mean that. I didn't know that's that and it, it's it's quite impressive because for me, and it's, it goes against what I've been seeing on the pitch because for the last few months we've basically been saying and you've been seeing on, on online, it's just like when we, everyone's like, if we concede, there's no way in hell we're going to muster any kind of miracle to, to, to equalise. But seeing that we're only behind Liverpool in terms of comeback wins and comeback points, it, it's, it's quite surprising to me anyway. Um you guys actually mentioned a few things about your general impressions and how the game went, um, and you obviously mentioned the, the fighting spirit of the team after going down. Do you guys have any other any other overview points that you made after after watching the the Neem OM game?
0: Well, it's a, it, it, yeah, it's very easy to be pessimistic because
1: we're OM um, fans and we, we're
0: used to it. Unfortunately, we've we've seen it happen too often where last year particularly, we go, go down and everybody, especially when it's that early on, everybody just downs the tools and says, especially on the pitch you sort of think, for folks' sake especially at at the moment as we're struggling for creativity you sort of look at it and go you know what, I don't see a way back into this for us, but it was apparent to me that tactically and I'm just putting this out there, but I'm starting to believe that it may be true, that maybe AVB and the players listen to this podcast because every time we've slated someone, (laughs) the week after, they come out fighting and and smash it. So we all said last week that we needed to tweak the system. AVB needed to tweak the system, not not just when we go behind, but from the start of the game because we've seen some pretty insipid first halves since the turn of the year. And, And if you look at the stats... Before Friday's game, I think 17 of our last 21 game goals have come in the second half. And, and Friday was was the opposite. I think he started from the off. You could see that Samson was a much higher up the pitch than he usually is, which is what we did against Lille, which is when he tweaked the tactic and he was closer to Benedetto and we came back and won. Yeah. And Samson was actually there from the start of the game. He was very close to him. Um, and it, the system was already different from the start. so fair play to AVB for listening to us and, and adapting it slightly and being a bit more ambitious, especially way f- away from home.
1: Yeah, absolutely and it's a, <laughs> a worth point making um, and we'll probably discuss as to, to why we think what we think was changed like compared to, to the game against Nantes at home, but it's one of the points that you made is is we didn't re- we didn't play at all like like the classic four three three that we've been showing these past few weeks. It's been Sanson was so far up the pitch compared to previous games. It was almost like we were playing in a four two three one kind of thing with, with Sanson as the as as the number ten. The false number nine. The false
0: number nine. Yeah. Almost the false number
1: nine, yeah. Yeah, no, definitely. Um what, what about you, Steph? What what did you think about about the game in general? Like is there anything that struck you particularly?
2: Um, yes, I guess I, and this is maybe a continuation from the the NARC game, is that I felt that we seem to defensively we're really struggling when with teams that are you know with good movement, you know that are when we're um, when we've got to get I guess we're we're backs against the wall and they're attacking us and when are at times they were just the the players were just moving around a lot, they were playing at quite a high tempo. And our defence, the back four just getting caught out and you know, leaving lots of space. Um and it's very reminiscent of last year, you know, about how poorly we we've always played defensively when we're under pressure. I did feel a bit like this throughout the Neem game, especially in the first half. And a lot again against Nantes as well. I just feel like teams that are written, you know, that kind of look at us and go, Fuck it, we're gonna have a go at them, they they'll bottle it. I feel like we're gonna, we're gonna keep getting a hard time throughout the season if this keeps happening. If we don't learn to control the tempo of the game in the middle of the park and slow it down when we are facing you know, those kind of constant attacks from teams that are trying to kind of unsettle us from early on. So yeah, so I think that's a bit worrying, like defensively, and I think individually there was a number of performances throughout the back that I thought were questionable. You know, even like the fullbacks where they were quite good going forward, I felt like we were making a lot of mistakes as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, I mean, I would push back on your first
1: point about um, about um, you saying that we struggled to play against teams that really bring the game to us and push, put a lot of temper into it. Because, I mean, there is something that we did, we we have mentioned this in previous podcasts and saying, you know, teams are tired of just waiting for us and they can see that we're struggling and we don't have any creativity, so they're going to start pushing up. But we've just basically proven with, with the Neem game that you can try that and then we'll, we'll find a way to, to beat you anyway. So... I feel like But
2: against is... a better team though, I mean Neem are not a great team. By all means they're facing relegation or well, a relegation battle, so we could come up across a slightly better team and not be able to bounce back like that, don't you think? I mean yeah. That's I, exactly I
0: what happened against Not. That's exactly what happened against Nantes. <laughs> exactly. Nott,
1: yeah. yeah, but do you think N are not much better than Nîmes I mean is... yeah, they're
0: a bit
2: Okay, Well I think though I think not. at us You
0: know, Goku for know, out. Goku for out for years now, and he just knows. He obviously knows Liang very well, and he just knows how to adapt tactically against us. But yeah, you, you do get kind And again, we weren't hugely creative. But the the key difference, and I'm not I'm not going to bore everyone with statistical analysis again. But you've the been doing your homework, haven't you? <laughs> I, I have to. I have to. I'm too passionate. <laughs> But um, the number, if you look at the number of touches Benedetto had on the ball in the first half, it's the most he's had in the first half all season. And it's not only the two goals he scored in the first half, it's just his movement. Because on the first goal, he's the one who gets the ball back. And afterwards, there's a good 40-second sequence of play before it comes back to him, he taps it in. But he's actually the player who wins the ball back originally. And its I think it's just the way... because because he's got more support around him available, which is Sanson or maybe even Payet, despite his, again, mm, bit, bit sort of uh, mix about reviewing his performance. But we'll go back, we'll, we'll go into that later. But it's just, he, he just, he, he knows the support is there. He knows that if he wins it back, he's got someone to give it to and then he can get back into position. Whereas yeah. last year, when Germain when was doing the same work, he was giving him the same effort and trying to win the ball back and running everywhere. Whenever he won it back, he had to pass it so far back before being able to get back into position, which he doesn't do anyway. He ne- he's never in the box. Mm.
2: So it's need, just, it, it
0: just seems that that tweaking system is working for us.
2: You mm. need one of those tablets that they've got on the TV, you know, where they mark the runs and stuff. There, like, I'm quite surprised <laughs> that, you picked, that you picked up <laughs> on that. Like, uh, you know, followed him there and that, and that goal. Well, it's true. It's yeah, yeah I'm best. <clears throat> Yeah, and, absolutely. And to be
0: fair, it's funny because I was I was in France over the weekend so I was watching it and streaming sorry <coughs> illegal streaming
1: but no you were not I, you were not I I you was, was, bought Canal+. I'm not sorry you bought Canal+ no, Please for I, 30 I, quid a month of course
0: <laughs> but I, I I was delayed so I got the notifications on our WhatsApp group before the goal even went in and then I I actually had the time a minute before that to actually watch the build-up to it and I was like fucking home benedetto rent, wins it back then runs forwards then again drops back a bit to to be an option in the build up then gets straight back in the bugs for the tapping it's just his movement is unreal
1: mm-hmm. yeah i think we'll, we'll we will i think make a like a specific 10-ish minutes talking about him because he's had such an interesting performance and such a a different performance than what he's he's accustomed us to this season I mean we're comparing him to German last season but there's only no to to go that far he's had some shocking performances as 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 recently as, as last week and so it'll be interesting when we talk about him to have a look as to what's changed in his game and then what he can learn from the Niem game to, to build upon um, but I think we, we've talked about the general impressions and I'd like to focus on some some of the players and we'll probably do I'd probably like to, to stop on one player per line. Um, the first one being Mandanda, who we have con- conceded two goals, but he, he's just come off of probably his poorest game of the season against Nantes. I mean, the third goal is just a shocker from him by his standards. He, he did, even though we did concede two goals, he he's pulled a couple of wonder saves that would have equ- made, allowed Nantes to equalise and probably would have made us drown yet again another great performance. What did you think
2: about him, lads? Um, I think, yeah, you're right, he made some good saves, but I think the second Nîmes goal was just a like, shocking mistake that I think, regardless of how good or how decent his performance was, that's the thing you're going to remember from that game, is, is him fumbling the ball, you know? Well, it has yeah.
0: It has been his weak point for <clears throat> forever. Yeah. I feel is, is him coming out to try and challenge for them. Um, the, the, the aerial ball has, has often been his weak point over the last few years.
2: Yeah. I don't even think he needed to jump for that as well. I think no. I feel like the. I mean, I, my memory's not great, but I feel like there was a lot of players around as well. I don't know if he needed to come out for that. Yeah. Maybe he would have been better staying off his staying on his line. Yeah,
0: may, maybe a bit overconfident because he'd, he'd done so well up until then. Maybe, but. Yeah,
1: it's definitely, it hasn't been, we know that throughout his career, it hasn't been his strong point to come, out of, come off of his line. But I really hope he doesn't use that kind of bad experience to, to stop doing that. Because for me, a keeper that stays on his line just terrifies the defence line because they don't know where they stand and they, they need that reassuring kind of keeper that will like shout their name and just be like, they've got it and then air the ball out. I really hope that he doesn't go back to his old habits of just...
2: Leaving the defense to deal with like odd balls on their own. Yeah, I think it's to be honest. I think it's a game to forget for him. Actually, just you think so? Kind of, yeah, I think just move on. He made a mistake at the end. Move on. Next game. I'm sure he'll be back.
0: No, be, be, before that, I mean, yes, he makes. I think the problem with Mondo is because he doesn't. He doesn't. He he pulls off incredible saves and he's not done many incredible saves this season. But he's he's been there when he needed to be there. He's the last wall and he's kept some shots from distance out or some close range shots, like the overhead kick, like um Ferhat. I think uh, Ferhat had a, a good shot as well, which he just tipped over at the fingertips yeah. just before we, we scored the third goal. And he's just there. He's just consistent and even if yes, the third goal sorry, the second goal was a bit of a comedy goal. Up until then, he was faultless again. It's, he's just—he's on it this season. He's—he's he's the top goal, goalkeeper in Ligue 1. He's probably—I don't have the statistics, but I think he's probably in Europe. He's—he's he's definitely in top five in Europe in numbers of shots faced and shots saved. And he's—he he pulled off a of blunder. He kept it in the game, and we've seen it so many times in—in in, well since October, where we we go ahead or we equalise then we we tend to ride the storm a bit and we we put ourselves under pressure because the rest of the team is maybe asleep and um we'll we'll do this in the, in the next line by line but the defense recently has been yeah it's been a bit shaky whereas it was it was our strength for so 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 long and he's just there. He's just there. He he allows us. He enables us to ride out that storm and that pressure. And then we we always tend to score after a, a period of pressure.
2: Yeah. The thing is, though, like you know, regardless of how good he's he played, don't you think? Like, the, what happened at the end of the game, though, is kind of what for him himself is going to be his sort of lasting, I don't know, f- f- feeling from the match. You know, it's like if you put there was a striker and he, like Benedetto, so he played a really good game, he moved really well, and then he misses a penalty at the end, what, you assume that he's going to come out of the game feeling low in confidence or feeling disappointed with his game, no? So I just yeah. feel like from a goalkeeper as well, to make that mistake at the end, I feel like he I, I I think he's probably gonna look back in that game and be frustrated, but then that's what I say is probably just best forget it and move on. Mm-hmm. Um yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah, don't don't forget it all, but forget that moment. Yeah, sure,
1: sure. I mean in before we move on to the next player I'd like to focus on, I would you mentioned that the Mandando you, you think is the best player, best goalkeeper in French league. I would give for me the edge to to Rykovich, the the Rennes goalkeeper who who's been excellent and they've conceded less goals than PSG's like and that that's ranks I mean I, I think he probably has the way the edge of Mandanda at the moment
0: sign him up sign him up
1: you think, <laughs> um, well
0: Mandanda well, is 34 guys so we need we need uh, coverage I mean yes we've got um, Enga, who's the youth goalkeeper who's on the bench behind Pulley because pulley is going to leave on the free transfer at the end of the season. But
1: Mandanda's got loads of years behind, like in front of
0: him. Like I don't think. Well, well, you say that. I mean, look, yes, after, especially after last year, we were all dead and buried. He was dead and buried after last season, and he's come back. He's bounced back, and long may it continue. Touchwood, mm. he's the most capped player in our history. He's been one of our most consistent players ever. I, 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 I pull my hat to him, but it, it's going to end one day.
2: Mm-hmm. I've cool. got a feeling it was Lasagna, Gotti Gotti that yep. we've been linked with to replace Mandanda. I'm sure I've read this pop the story popping up in a few different places about the, about well we might be eyeing him as a long term replacement. Yeah, I, I don't, I don't know. really know what I feel about him. I've mm. only seen him against us and I, I, don't, I don't really have much of an opinion of him. But I
1: don't know. Um... Right, so let's move on to the next play I'd like to focus on. Um, and it's complete opposite and complete contrast to the Mandanda, the most experienced, most cap player in history. And let's talk about Bubakar Kamara, who's been putting some shifts in in the midfield position on in a 4-3-3. And interestingly enough, this game, he wasn't playing in a 4-3-3 as the, as the lone CDM. He was playing more, like we said, in a four-two-three-one 3 one with Sanson playing so much higher up. So he was playing as a defensive midfielder. With Rangier, essentially, he was sharing the the midfield there, and yet again, you, I mean, you guys will tell me what you think about him, but yet again, he he pulled another great performance. Um, I did I did identify some of the weaknesses in terms of his his um, appreciation for for uh, man marking and zone marking during counter attacks, but he in the, the first goal for me is all him. That that, that lob through past to Bouna was just amazing. I mean, how can you even expect a, a, like a, a centre back because he's essentially a centre back to to make that kind of pass and have that kind of vision. For me, he was one of the men of the match. What did what did you guys think? I'll start with start with Steph.
2: Oh, um, I think you fantastic, yeah. And I think, as I said, maybe a couple, few podcasts ago, you know, I'm really noticing how more confident he is in his play. The fact that he's making passes like that, he's, um, you, you know, you're seeing him. Bombing forward, taking long range shots and things like that. So, so yeah, I mean, we're really seeing this young player blossom into a quality midfielder. And it, at times against Neem, it seemed like he really was like um, bossing. But, but um, you know, as you touched upon, like there was some issues in terms of like how porous the midfield was at times when when Neem were on the attack. So his performances are not perfect over ninety minutes, by Far from it, by all means, but clearly we're seeing that he is such an exciting young player and in midfield he's doing better than I thought he was. To to be honest, I I thought, you know, there would be some limitations to how he would perform in that role and then eventually he would go back into central defence, but he's done so well that it's kind of hard to see how we could could consider moving him. And it's important to
1: note that Gonzalez obviously picked up his third yellow card in 10 games, so he will be um, suspended against Montpellier. So it probably means that Kamara is going to drop back as in, alongside Chaita and, and Strootman will place him for at least one game. How, how knowing that he's been putting these performances and knowing what Strootman can or the lack of what he can provide, are you scared in in that position?
0: Well, uh, no, away uh, to Montpellier, honestly... I'm hoping... Well, I'll say a draw. but
1: we've been surprised so
0: many times away from home this season that we'll probably end up winning it. But who knows? But uh, I'm not worried. But I I think I agree with you, Steph. Remember, guys, when we did the the, the third of the way through the season podcast during the international break, and we analysed his comments, Kamara's comments, where he said, yeah, I'm happy to put in the shift at central defensive midfield, but it's not really my position. I'm a centre-back, whatever. And he's come on leaps and bounds since then. And surprisingly, he's much better going forward than he is actually. I mean, he's really good at that position, cutting up counter-attacks and putting in the tackle to to protect his centre-backs. But going forward, I think he himself didn't realise the quality he has, his vision and his reading of the game have always been his strong points. His positioning and his man-marking have not. That's that's where he's he's really come good for us in in recent games and he is Rongier was a lot lot better last night. I think that was his best game in in quite a while actually in terms of putting like taking the ball, putting it in the control and distributing it. And, and Neem didn't put as much pressure on him as other teams have in recent weeks. The Kirsten so Peters though, contribute.
1: yeah, great shot. Yeah, he
0: almost scored. Yeah, he almost scored. But, <laughs> Look, he'll score eventually and whatever, but as long as he keeps putting in the shift like he did on Friday, as long as he keeps contributing to our victories in key moments when he gets the ball and he's able to distribute it, I don't care if he scores. That's that's secondary compared to his contribution and and him sacrificing himself in that midfield position. But Kamara, he's brilliant. And I'd like to think because... We're seeing this sort of renewal of ambition from AVB, where yesterday he put Samson a bit higher from the start of the game and adapted the tactic a bit slightly to take the game to the opposition rather than just sit back away from home and counter. I'd like to think that AVB may have Coronés <laughs> and, and per- Perrin next to Chertokot, even though it's a very ambitious call at this stage. I don't think he will, but if I he did that, he left Kamara in midfield, then that would be big balls. But I don't think he will. Do
2: you yeah. think Peran's good enough, though? I think
1: he's good enough for a game.
0: I think I think, I think think now's the time to put him back in there because we've got the cushion. We still have the cushion in terms of points on, on Rennes and Lille. Um, now's the game. If you don't put him back in now, what have you got to lose? Even if we lose, against away to Montpellier, which... Look at recent years. I don't. I think we've conceded nine or ten there and scored one or something. We've we've got a very poor record away to them.
1: And if we're if we're Uh, thinking of making him our our third or fourth defender, we have to the the brilliant opportunity to test it.
0: Yeah, and 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 to not affect the balance of the team as much as it would be affected by losing Kamara in midfield.
1: Yeah, absolutely, and. Right, so that's Kamara done. And the third player I'd like to to focus on and key on before we talk about the obvious man, the hat-trick man um, in a bit, is um, Dimitri Payet, who I feel was a little bit overshadowed with with his assist for the second goal and um, greatly contributed to the third goal because he's the one that whipped in the, the free kick. What did you guys make of his performance? I personally felt like he was... I don't know if complacent is the right word. Maybe he's still nursing the injury that he's picked up against Lille, but he's, he seemed a bit slow. He didn't seem as as comfortable um, in a game that was a lot more fast-paced than we're used to.
2: Yeah, I mean, i probably agree with that. It wasn't his strongest game. Um, are you worried about to... it?
1: Are you, are you worried that it could be an injury or, or do you think it's just
2: a, a, a one-game bleep? Um, I... I probably was I hadn't really given it that much thought so I just assumed that he hadn't had a great game to be honest. Um, I wasn't concerned about it but I didn't really as I said I hadn't really given it given it any thought. But you can't be you know you can't be amazing every week and not saying that he is, but um maybe it just wasn't the game for him and I don't know. But maybe he wasn't able to get the time and the ball in the room as he normally would do in the game and maybe the, the game had quite a high tempo, especially in the first half. Maybe that, you know, with Neem um, kind of like um, pressing and things like that, I think maybe just, yeah, maybe just wasn't the game for him to kind of like, um, you know, cause sometimes like, you know, a player like that with that kind of skill, like sometimes the more time they've got in the ball to kind of, you know, to play, the better. Maybe this just wasn't fun for him, I don't know.
0: I think you're right in a way, but let's, let's contrast it with the actual result. As long as we're winning, he can have three, four, five off games. I don't give a fuck. As long as we keep winning, and, and even better, so that players, other players, are stepping up to the plate and the mantle when he's not doing as well as he, he has been doing in recent weeks. Look, we know we know Payet. We know what type of player he is. We know that he has a, a hell of a run of games, and he needs a bit of a breather. But even in his weak moments, you still want him on the pitch because he's capable of of vision and passes like he was for the second goal uh, but the, the way he lofted it for his Benedetto which is <clears throat> I mean, and yeah, there was just perfection I yeah that goal a,
1: that goal was uh, just
0: yeah because he was on, on the verge of offside, and the timing of the pass and it's not an easy pass to make because you can over hit it or you can under hit it which hmm. gives the the, the defense a chance to catch up but if you look again the stat came out today in the last six seasons he's the top French player in number of chances created in, he's been in, like that all
1: season long. He's been really... Consistent. He has, he has.
0: But even... But, but I'm saying, if you look statistically over the last five years, the stat came out today, he had an off-season last year and he had an off-season the season before we went to the Europa League final when he just re-signed for us. And he's just... The numbers... And, and he's capable of that moment of brilliance that is that is enough to keep him in the starting eleven, even when he's off form. And that's all, that's all we ask from him. We ask him to be decisive when he can be, and just, just bring it on. If The key thing is, even when he's off form, which is right now, the other players are stepping up. That's yeah. what matters the most.
2: And he is a player that I, I think just gets a really hard time off um, the, the fans and the press. I feel like he's not always appreciated. Um, I remember um, reading somewhere, I think at the end of the year, um, like he wasn't included um, I'd read some I don't know what it was i read it but some someone had selected a team of the decade and he wasn't included Um in the Gans team of the decade and yet he'd had like I think something like that was probably Ed wasn't it? no no it wasn't, it wasn't us it was somebody <laughs> but um, it was um, he'd had like I was reading that he'd had like something like um, 30 more assists or something than any player over that 10 year period you know so he was like way ahead in like the assist chart and stuff like that and you know like hes the, I can't remember what the numbers were but they were like ridiculously high Um, and yeah it just shows you like maybe that he's the kind of player that does you know the, the good stuff that he does doesn't always get fully appreciated because of the number, I guess, the number of games he has where he's, you know, a little bit below par. He's in, you know, he's inconsistent and he can be a bit... Maybe it's that he comes across as a bit lazy at times is why people give him such a hard time.
1: Yeah, um, and very quickly, just a yes-no answer. I'd like to just run this by you because I have seen it um, in another talk show. Um, Is, do you think about Paya? Do you think he sees... All the injuries that is going on with Martial, with Coman, um, and Dembélé, and all of his potential rivals to claim a spot for the French team. Do you think there's a risk that he could start load managing the rest of the season? I wouldn't blame him personally because he missed. The only reason he missed the World
0: Cup was because he insisted on playing the Europa League final for us and went off after 25 minutes. So I wouldn't blame him because because of the way the season's unfolding as you say with injuries to other players in the same position and he probably has a bit of frustration and resentment with regards to the fact he missed that because he would have been on the plane to Russia no doubt.
1: Absolutely instead of Fikir.
0: Yeah so I wouldn't blame him as because he's contributed enough up until now but I think he's, he will still have some moments of brilliance between now and the end of the season. At the same time Despite all of this debate about international competitions and he only plays well when, the, when there's a chance of being squad at the end of the season or stuff, so, he's, he's an affectionate player. Gignac was the same. If, if he's got a manager for whom he's willing to sacrifice himself and die, he will go 200% at the risk of, of injuring himself or missing a couple of games for injury or suspension or whatever. So he's, he's just one of those that if you put him in the right conditions with the right manager... He'll go all out and he'll do. He'll turn on the magic because he buys into the project and he buys into the, to the vision, etc. We're talking about the player who. The stats came out today again. He's fifth in Europe in numbers of number of chances created over the last five seasons. The only players ahead of him are Ronaldo, Messi. Um, I think De Bruyne's think Ozil, up there. Yeah, De Bruyne's up there, and I think Ozil or um, what's his face. Uh, another, another star players ahead of him and, and we me now to, to be it. honest yeah, Numbers of chances have <laughs> created over the five years <laughs> I mean, We're talking about Ronaldo He's won the Champions League three times in the last five years
2: Yeah I so. know but I just never think of him as an assist maker I just, he But
0: is. he is, he is Me neither yeah. but he actually is But you look at that and you say We will look back on this period I think in five, ten years and we'll say For folks sake, we were very lucky to have him In his prime, for so long, Uh, and and not only did he leave at his prime, but he came back and he's found his prime again a couple of times since then. And yes, we criticize him for his nonchalance and maybe his his sometimes lethargic attitude, where he tends he he tends to take it too easy or not put in the shifts and just pull a moment of brilliance out nowhere. But guys, this type of player, especially for Marseille, only come along every ten years. So let's let's just. Let's just be happy we've got him, even though he's he's poor at the moment. He's gotten, out, gotten us out of so many shit situations in the past three months. We can't complain.
1: And what about you, Stefan? Do you, do you do you think there's a risk that, that that he can load manage for the rest of the season as as the aim to get into the French squad for the Euros?
2: Um, I don't know. I doubt it. To be honest, I don't think he's going to get in the squad, and I don't think Deschamps will pick him. I don't know. I just don't really see it. I think. He's, Who else is he going to pick at this point? He can't pick Thomas Lamar. I mean, he fucks sake. He picked Jonathan Akoni, which I and I, I don't feel was good enough to play for France. But I mean, he scored for them, didn't he? But um, I don't know. I just feel like he. Sometimes he just over, if he's not if he doesn't see him in his plans, he will just find other players to fill the gaps. So, I, you know, think, I think we
0: can have this debate again if Giroud gets him and Payet doesn't. That's the time, <laughs>
1: time to have this debate again. Cool. Right. Um, and obviously, let's move on now to the the main reason why Marseille won this game. And it's obviously Dario Benedetto, who's had his coming out party, who's scored his first hat trick under the the ironically the black shirt <laughs> for the for the for the under his OM colours. Um, he's now scored eleven games, eleven goals this season he's equalled obviously he's he's nowhere near the the top of the the top goal scorers but he's equalled players as like Mauro Mauro Icardi Um, he's also worthy of note he's 9 of his 11 goals have been away from home um, which now equals Jean-Pierre Papin's uh, record at this stage of the season which gives you an indication of the importance and the impact that he's had at least away from, from the bedroom and he played in a way that is very different to, to, to what to what he's been showing us and is very similar to what we thought he would play like. Like you said, it, he's, in this game, he had the most touches he's had in a single game and he was a lot more involved in the build-up games, especially in that first goal. You can see like, he was the one that that, 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 that tackled to get the ball and then oh, like placed himself straight away in the key position to score. What did you make of his performance, and what do you think? Where do you think the improvements were that contributed to
2: this change? I think he was excellent, but um, I think that his his performance against Neem was kind of uh, uh, what I expected of him. I guess when, in the you know after a, f- a few games into the season, he started hitting form, and we were all really impressed with him. And I think this is kind of what I was expect where I was expecting it to go, but obviously he's sort of hit that period through the middle of the season where he's just not where he's been really disappointing and, and not been scoring many goals and quite ineffective um, I think that maybe the reason why he has performed so well in, in Fred's game is because he's picked up a few, a couple of the odd sort of scrappy goal in over the last month or so like, and that's kind of kept him going I guess um, and maybe just I mean, you maybe we can put a little bit down to the the opposition as well, but um, the I mean the, the the first goal is an is an is maybe an easy one. It's a tapping, but it's still a really excellent run. He makes through the second goal. I mean, obviously it's just superb. It's just it's such a sublime finish. It's almost kind of like Eric Cantona esque. And, the, and the, then, the confidence and the, the
1: confidence that a striker needs to, to yeah have the ball to put off that against Bernardoni, who's who's not a small man. He's He's one
2: no, guys. absolutely. He's like cute cool as a cucumber, isn't he? Like oh. um, with it. But the third goal, I was more impressed with anything. And I just think because the third goal, is such a strikers' goal, and the technique he shows um, to take it is it's the kind of goal I, I would expect. Like someone like Edison Cavani or Radamel Falcao to score. It's just the, 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 there's a certain technique to it, and it's like it feels like you only see or or it's the, the these guys, these sort of quality South American strikers are the best at doing it. It's, you know, they've the, just got that, yeah. this
1: the just po- some quality, isn't it? The poetry quality. Yeah.
2: But something about their like the agility, their technique, the you know, especially these kind of acrobatic kind of positions where they've got to stretch out and the balls in the air a half falling and stuff. It's just it's the kind of goal anyway that I always feel like I always imagine those kind of guys scoring at these kind of quality South American strikers. And I never uh, yeah, so it it's it seemed to me as quite a typical goal. Maybe well typical is maybe a bit generous, but it's the kind of goal that I would expect, you know, an Argentinian striker to score. And it's the kind of goals that we obviously we want to see, you know, like, um, like, that's the kind of thing that, that keeps fans going to the games, it keeps them excited. Um, and if he plays like that, if there's more like that to come, I'm quite happy to put up with, you know, some disappointing games in between if we get those moments as well that um, really can, you know, entertain us. Do you think that's him set up for the rest of at least the next
1: three games? So until the international break, we're playing Amiens at home. Do you think that's the, the the
2: perfect game to to continue the momentum? Maybe. I mean, he's. It, it does seem like he's a kind of striker that plays well. Um, If he's feeling relatively confident And when his confidence is low We're not, we're clearly not I know you could say that about anyone But it seems like confidence is a big factor in his game Um, When he's been low in confidence As it seems in recent months He's just kind of been out of it completely You know, his head doesn't look like in the right place Doesn't seem to make the right runs um, Get in the right positions So yeah, maybe like that. I mean, with any striker You score three goals like that you would expect them to come into the, the following games with uh, with a lot of confidence, and and you would expect them to score more goals, wouldn't you, or to put in um, better performances. You know they're going to be riding high, and defenders as well are going to be feeding them as well because they, they, they they're not oh, you know they're not sure what they're capable of doing really. you've said it. He's cold
0: blooded. Cold-blooded South American. No? Cold, cold-blooded South American. He when he chested it down, I was worried because I was like, "Shit, he's taking he's taking a touch too far. He's gonna he's gonna he's gonna sky it or fluke it now." And he, for him to be able to to lob it over the keeper the way he did, the finesse, perfect. I mean, I just can't believe that. I half expected him, obviously, to be called offside, which it was obvious he wasn't. And they didn't need to triple-check VAR. Choc just said, no, he wasn't offside. I believe you, fair play. And then, look at his overall contribution in the game. I mean, every single one of his touches. We've always said on this podcast, he's got an excellent first touch and he's capable of orientating the game and and shaping our build-up play. And he he just didn't put a single foot wrong in that game. He was outstanding and a major contributing factor which we've also mentioned on this podcast is that he's been starved of service i don't think his head's not been in the right place Steph, recently i think he's physically been paying the toll for coming over from south america because he joined us it was it was their winter break so he didn't have a full sort of you know, sort of summer physical preparation and he's had a bit of a lull in recent weeks where he's been, not weak but he's looked off the pace and off the shape but also he's not had service mm. and yet, like Friday we created so many chances for him and we did the same against Lille, Lille was the perfect illustration of when it clicked for him, it was when Sanson, and I'm saying Sanson because he's the one in that position, I think it could be Payet was probably the one we'd expect to right? actually be the key, the key factor in a position playing close to a striker in false number nine but Sanson he has been outstanding since then he's been able to link up much better get more touches on the ball and and sort of ease himself into game from a confidence point of view that he gets enough touches on the ball that if you give him the ball in the penalty area he's he's 80% likely to score than he has to miss it and that's that's, that's, that's a hell of a player. We've signed him for 15 million goals, for fuck's sake. It's his first season in Europe. How many other strikers that have come straight over from South America, regardless of age, have had such a good season? Statistically, yes, it's Ligue 1. Yes, it's the French League. But still, if he reaches for me, I think Mo put this out on Twitter the other day, if he reaches 15 goals in Ligue 1 this season, he's been a successful signing.
2: Of course. And I think, think there's no course, doubt about that. Yeah. Do you, think, though, that. do you think that, i, I mean, you're probably going to laugh when I say this, right, but I just wonder whether um, playing with Germain as well in the team makes a difference. Um, I know that earlier on in the season, um, Germain was playing a lot in the right wing, Bledetto up front, and then as the season's gone on, we've seen Spunasar, Radonich, you know, a lot of kind of Lopez different options. Um, and I just sort of wonder whether having someone like Germain around as well, who obviously, you know, in a lot of these games, doesn't seem like he's doing anything, but just the way he sort of moves and pulls play around or away from him enables someone like another striker like Benedetto to to, to be more effective in the game. Is that possible?
1: I don't know. I, I personally don't think so. <laughs> yes. I don't think that Germain would, would voluntarily or consciously... Contribute anything positive to the squad. So
0: Jesus, uh, Steph, Steph, you're asking Luka to praise praises, mate. Like you, I don't know how if you realise what you've just asked him.
1: <laughs> well, you've he got knows. my answers. Sean's Do, you know, I you. Do you know?
0: I, mean, that's I, thing I, I, I agree. I've... I agree because the Jamar is that player that sacrifices himself. Yes, we all expect a lot more from any player playing for OM, and I will still, at the end of his contract or experience with OM, whether it's this summer or next season, if he leaves on a free, I'll still be disappointed in Germain, but I will be more disappointed in managers that have been incapable of using him correctly because he's always played with another striker next to him.
1: Oh my and God, no,
0: not this again. He's, <laughs> no,
1: no, sorry. But,
0: but he's, he's inefficient as a winger. He cannot play as an out-and-out winger because he's clearly incapable whether it's him or Maxim Lopez. And I'm not going to actually, I won't go as far as praising Bounassar, but when he plays on the wing, he tries to take players on. The problem is he always tries the same move, which is the, the grand point, which is knock the ball past them and rely on your pace to get on the other end of it. But Germain always goes back inside and that does create space. And I won't have a good memory of him, but I won't have a terrible memory of him. It will just be...
1: Nah, yeah, he was okay. No, 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 But Benedece, he, We have tried yeah. to play him <laughs> with Benedece's two strikers.
0: Let's, let's, let's stay on the positive. Forget Jamal. Benedetto has been brilliant. Okay, hey. fine. Benedetto's amazing. He's, he's, he's the folks in the books. Ben. Yeah. Hey, he does you give him me... the ball in the right position, he'll score. He that's does all, remind that's me of
1: um, another Argentine striker that played in Liga, and Dario um, Zvitanic. I don't know if you remember the yeah, name yeah, striker. Yeah, 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 He's very similar. He's He's and that his third goal really reminded me of that it's just he can he just roams around the, the box and then any loose ball he's just he w- was just able to just get on the end of oh it, he taps right? it
0: in yeah he taps it in
1: and I really hope that Benedetto kind of continues the momentum and and, and finds that or at least refines that vision of, of just being in the right place at the right time because the first goal yes it just makes it look easy but you have to have the flair to, to be in that position and to to expect Bounassar to first time pass it on a second post. That was great. Especially
0: Bunasar, Especially exactly Yeah, exactly. But, <laughs> you know? but no, but it, even more so, after winning the ball back and then having to... Because he wins it back. I said this earlier, he wins it back. You see him then in the build-up. He comes... He again drops off to try and contribute to the build-up, which they don't give it to him. And straight away, his first move is in the penalty area, in the six yarder. So... He's he's a natural finisher. And uh, we've we've lagged that uh, the OM for years, man. Let's just let's just appreciate him. Even if he only has this one season one I do hope he has another good season next year. But he's for fifteen million with today's transfer market, which is completely deregulated on the striker front, he's had a really positive impact.
1: Yeah, fifteen million I mean, I don't, I don't like talking about finances that much, but fifteen million for for the strike like you said, in this market. He, he, yes, he's he's twenty eight, but that's not necessarily old. Like yeah,
0: his first season in Europe, isn't it? Exactly, his so first season I, in European football.
1: I think I think it's brilliant. Um, and just because we we do have only around about eight minutes to talk about the last topic, I would like to talk about the youth team strategy because it's it's news that has come this week with uh, Nasser Lage, who's the, obviously, you probably know for those who don't, he's the director of the youth team in, in Marseille. He's had an interview where he, and, and I'm sure everyone's going to love this here, he he basically outlined how, how the AVB staff, the direction, and the youth team are all aligned and all understand um, that coming into next season, coming next summer, there will need to be some players from the youth team that would need to to be prepped and and to be brought in and incorporated into the professional team. And so he's outlined that there will be loads of meetings at the end of March, which is so far away from the start of next season, which is an incredible sign, um, with some of the the players that would likely be involved in the professional squad next season. Um, And he's also talked about how they're not going to do like like big clubs like Monaco and PSG where they're just going to give professional contracts to players just so they can stay at the club and not play any meaningful minutes, but they're actually gonna only going to give professional contracts to the players who have a chance of uh, of having some game time. Um, and since that statement, we've had a lot of, of um, scouts and we've had a lot of feedback from people who, who are thinking about who could be likely to join and there's actually good positive feedback on, on, on players that would not, would not only be signed to make up the numbers but could actually get, provide some contribution to the team there's obviously the Lihadi situation which could still be revol- resolved um, there's a, a centre mid uh, who's 18, Shek Suare who's, uh, who's being scouted by Schalke, um, there's uh, the striker called Raoult who's being scouted by Porto uh, there's Bertelli, uh, who was the the youth player of the month in, in the month of February. There's also a, a kid, 70-year-old kid, called Richard, who's international for the French team under 18. And then there's another guy called Viani and a guy called Scortino. So lots and lots of talents. Realistically, given the financial fair play situation that we're going to have next season, how, much, how many of these players do you think are going to be signed up and how many do you think are actually going to contribute to the to the season next
2: season well it's hard to know isn't it because some of them are, they're so young aren't they they're all about 17 16 17 yeah a lot of them those yeah, a lot of them are so,
1: 18
2: 17 yeah so i think i can't imagine i can't expect to necessarily see them getting the first team minutes um next season to be honest but that doesn't mean to say some of them won't sign professional contracts the one that I mean, I, I had heard of a few of them before, but not all of them. Like, I would certainly knew about um, is it uh, Richard Richard, um, b- because um, I think he's a right back, isn't he? And I think he like. This is a... Richard
0: Richard, I think. But... Is Rich... <laughs> it
2: so sure complicated? That... Is it not? I mean, I, I, that's what I thought. But is it it's not one a... of the two? It's one Rish... of the two. Richard <laughs> Richard, I think. But anyway, it, but... But yeah, so like I think you know they do that like player of the month thing, the Boulanger uh, player of the month for the the youth players and then like so and then he definitely won it once or twice before, but a year ago and that's where I kinda like I'd sort of sort of come across, stumbled across him and um obviously don't I mean I don't know what don't know what to expect, but um I think Suarez had left back, is he? I'm not sure. Suarez a sentiment, mainly mainly sentiment. Right, okay, maybe I'm thinking of someone else. But yeah, the others I don't know. I mean I, I like I, I saw in the squad Berteri was in was in the, the first team squad the other day and I was kinda of like, Who the fuck is this guy? Yeah, I mean you know, all
1: of all of these players have trained with the professional squad already this season, so
2: Yeah. So I don't know. I mean it's like it, it, I I d don't get opportunities to watch these kids unfortunately, so it's kinda it's hard to really know and um really what you're limited to to known as like little clips that you can find occasionally about people on 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 youtube or like what's discussed in some of the like um the forums you know for the for some of the um, like supporter sites but um no i don't know too much i actually thought some of the guys that were you know that have already got um professional contracts or we more likely to break into the team, or like, or even you know, guy we've, we've talked about it in Kunku a lot. I don't think he's ever he's signed a professional contract yet, yet. but he was someone that I was kind of hoping to see maybe this year or next season as a possible first team player, given that we had such little options at left back. But I don't know. It seems like all these new new younger players are coming through as well. So you don't know if that means that the ones before that are not good enough and then we're already moving on to the next lot or not I don't know uh, two, two, two key points for me
0: I'd rather sign them professional than they go likely Hadji is going to do and we're going to get 300 grand for him for training him I've, I've written him off fuck it good luck to him he probably hopefully he makes it good if he doesn't it's his problem and he'll probably look back and regret not signing for us but how many fucking players have we seen come out of the Lyon Academy And you look at them and you go, this kid's worth fuck all. Yes, it's their strategy and philosophy to promote youngsters like Tulis or whatever. But then suddenly they come good and they manage to sell one one out of four or one out of three or one out of five for, for 60 million or something. What the fuck have we got to lose? Nothing. So I'd rather we sign them up. Yes, we're going to need to make up numbers in the squad next year because I don't see us making more than two or three signings this summer. And that's to replace the players we're going to lose on free contracts or whatever. And the players we're not going to extend, like maybe Lopez.
2: But what have we got to lose? This is
0: a strategy. I hope that we're not. I hope we're not just...
2: I hope we're not just signing players though to professional contracts just to make a statement. You know, yeah, I but saw... it's
0: one of those. It's, ABB clearly is involved, isn't he? So he's the type
2: of guy who will who will give
0: every one of them. If we if he is consulting with the staff and saying, "Yep, he's worth a professional contract," I'd expect each of those players to at least play five between five and ten games next season, and and that's enough to give yourself an idea: are they good enough, Are they not? If they're not good enough. Then you've signed them probably on the very low basic wage, like twenty grand a seat, twenty grand a month or whatever, and you sell them in second division or to a club like Hans or Nîmes for, for you know for two million, three million, whatever. But we're at the starting this is the foundation of our, of our strategy, which is to train up our youth centre and train up our young players. If we don't sign them, someone else
1: will. I mean, yeah, 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 yeah. already on foire I mean, and Porto as well, so
2: yeah, which is a good sign, isn't it? If they're being linked with, with clubs that you know, the like clubs. What do clubs we
0: have to lose? Clubs what do we that have
2: are to lose? finding young talent as well. Um, exactly. Yeah, I just, I just wondered, like you know, the timing of that is, you know, given that had is about to sign. It looks like for Lille, I think, or. Somewhere else um, and that, that's a major blow probably,
0: Lille, yeah, probably That's a
2: major blow to um the whole I you know the, the project, the champions project and all this like OM oh, next generation crap and the fact that it, they've it is said that to, to, and, and to bleed them into the squad. So and because this player, Lehaji, is what we hear is that potentially was the there's the one over, if not the most talented one we've produced for a long time. And then, and then I think Elo, was um, there was there was some comment, you know, an interview from him the other day where he was he was talking about this very project that this was very much still the you know the vision was to you know to produce local talent to give them opportunities and for them to make you know a, a part of a part of the first team squad and that's why they they've been investing all this money and uh, and and developing young players and scouting young players. So I just yeah which is all great I just hope that we're not just signing people for the sake of it as long as they are as you said the rec- the recommendations are coming from the coach um, and that we are signing these players because they're good enough not just because they're the best of what we've got I think is better um, yeah so that that's yeah, my concern okay. because I've seen us we've signed so a lot of players over the years for years, and like from these the the youth team professional on uh, professional contracts, they never ever got opportunities, you know, because they either weren't good enough, or we just didn't have um, confidence you know, to to play young players at the club. And um, okay, so on that night,
1: guys, we're just over the one hour mark. Um, should just give it's me it's enough time. It's one of those.
0: To... What, what what do we have to lose by signing them? Final note, yeah. guys. We sign them. Look, if they come good, great. How many? I could count right now on my hand how many players have come out of our youth academy who have gone on to have semi-respectable professional careers. nesky the two IU brothers, Flamini. Uh, that's it. I think there's four. Seydoukato. C- yes, yeah, which but that was a long time ago. So, look, yeah, no, no, what the fuck do we have to lose? What do we have to lose? Nothing. Blooddom. I, I would hope, I agree with you, Steph, that is, as you say, if there is an agreement between the coach and... and the youth team staff that they're good enough for professional level, we need to blood them between now and the end of the season. We need to give them at least a game or a half to sort of blood them in. We have nothing to lose. And this is is part of OM growing up, becoming a proper professional club and using our youth centre and giving people a chance to maybe come good and if they don't then we'll sell them but we'll make more money than just we than we would have made for example for the hajib by just training them and them signing up swear
1: nothing to lose let's give it a go brilliant well on those optimistic words uh, we're just over the hour mark so um this should just give me enough time to edit it hopefully nothing's gone wrong upload it and then should be with you by the end and by uh, monday evening which is just in about in about 45 minutes. But thank you very much for listening to this show. Thank you very much guys for for coming on. Um, the next episode will be next Monday after Marseille uh, plays Amiens at home, hopefully extending the win streak and um, and putting a, a final nail into the coffin of Marseille um, Well there's being what second. guys there's
0: what yeah there's what nine games left. 9 games left Four wins. and Four wins, I think we do it because there's Lille-Lyon this weekend and Montpellier. Yeah, so the third, not...
1: fourth, fifth and sixth team in, in Ligue 1 are facing each other. So, bound to lose some points here. So, thank you very much, guys. Thank you for listening and we'll see you next Monday.
0: Thanks, thank you. everyone. Good night. Bye-bye.